Welcome everyone, this is Ian Robertson from Living Beyond Limits. Today I thought I'd bring up a topic that's uh, a topic that I've actually comes up a lot in my private practice. It comes up oftentimes in my clinical supervision with other therapists and it also comes up in many of my trainings specific to trauma. The topic today is the complexity of how to work through traumatic bereavement. When we think of trauma itself, that in itself carries a lot of challenges for people, but especially if the the trauma is directly related and connected to the loss of a very close loved one, because then it becomes kind of a compounding effect of having to deal and, and navigate the experience of not having your loved one that you've lost. But also the second layer to it is the impact of how the loss occurred and the traumatic features that now have been um, somewhat coded into the brain and respond in ways exactly similar to PTSD. When we think about what these effects are, first of all, how the brain works, the brain in the midbrain stores all of the painful images of the worst of the worst moments and parts, and it codes it also with a perceptual belief, which is anchored oftentimes with a fear response of fight or flight freeze. And this, these images are as they're anchored in the midbrain, the oftentimes not just conscious brain, but subconscious brain, they're also anchored with a tape that plays a constant tape that plays of this event. And it is very easily activated into conscious awareness and remains challenging for the individual. And for this very reason, when I have clients that come to me and they bring up a death of a loved one, and they oftentimes will say, I'm here for grief therapy. Uh, I'm grieving the loss of my loved one. And I might ask them, when did your, tell me a little bit about the loss of your loved one and when did it happen? And when, when clients start to share that this loss happened many, many years ago, then I already know that this isn't just a simple grieving loss, but something else that is more complex. And when, when you begin to um, explore with the client, what these experiences are, oftentimes I find a traumatic link to the, the bereavement of their loved one, the loss of their loved one. And it's a traumatic link. And uh, that piece, uh, that component of the loss, it keeps people very locked in their 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 um, their grieving. And so, when we start to look at how this impacts people, it has impacts because you know when we start to think about how one may be, you know, begin to function and live in the world after the death of a loved one people still need to figure out how can they move forward with their lives. And, but then the question is, how do I move forward and how challenging it is to move forward when the brain continually. And for many of our clients, we know years later are still being actively, um, activated by this traumatic bereavement. There has been some research that reports that people up to four and seven years past we know this in, in motor vehicle accidents, 
four to seven years past the death of a spouse or a child are still presenting with the features of, of PTSD uh, with bereavement. And it is still causing great impairments to how they live their lives out, that they're not able to live a present oriented life where they feel connected, where they feel in a pleasurable state. Oftentimes people report feeling alone. They still feel the effects of not, not engaging in activities and things that used to bring them pleasure. In some cases, when there's been a loss, we know of a, of a loved one, a spouse or a child, even years past, years and years past, people are reporting that the memories are still coming up. And here's the thing that's most important. These memories are not coming up of the pleasurable memories of their loved one. The memories that are coming up is the terror of how the loss happened. And that is years later. And even some people report that they're getting these memories years and years later on a monthly basis. And even within the last month of the memory coming up from a, a loss many years prior, loved ones are sharing that they're talking to other people and they're communicating with other people about this loss. And so we know that this has a profound impact on the individual treating bereavement when there's a trauma component as, as just bereavement and following the protocols of bereavement actually is not going to be particularly effective because to get to the bereavement, we actually have to address the traumatic component. And so, you know, being able to get to what, what we do in therapy is we start to get into the traumatic memory where it is, where the memory ends and starting to kind of work with a person to work through that trauma memory and especially the narrative that's attached to it. Oftentimes the narrative attached to it, it's attached in, in memory, in the declarative memory, and it's attached often in the subconscious part of memory, but somehow, some way individuals oftentimes are struggling with some forms of messaging that they tell themselves about themselves. Maybe that there was a failure, something I should have done, something I could have done. Why, what didn't I maybe have say, say these last things to the person? How, how could I have kind of not done something to respond? Um, maybe the people believe that there was an omission, something that there was a failure in their part or commission because I did this, this happened. What we do know is that traumatic bereavement, first of all, starts with a trauma in the memory. And then also with a, with a compounding component of bereavement and loss. And so having to get into the survivor's internal and interpersonal world and start to look at the thoughts. And we start to look at, first of all, what resources people have, because oftentimes many clients, many people, and maybe I'm talking about you, will find yourself wanting to disconnect and isolate and withdraw living life out as if life doesn't have meaning and purpose anymore, living life out as, 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 you know, without your loved one, I'm not able to actually continue to live my life uh, in the absence of this person in a meaningful way. And we start to look at how do we start to get for, for somebody suffering with this, 
we begin with the internal, internal supports and resources, and also interpersonal resources and supports. And how do we be, you know, begin to build some, some resiliency and strength in this area to get people ready for the second part of what we're actually getting, uh, having to address, which is the most critical and important part, point, is processing the traumatic death. And we have to process this traumatic death in a couple of ways. Trauma stores in the mind, and it stores, obviously, as I talked earlier, in the subconscious mind, but uh, not just conscious memory, but subconscious. But we have to store the cognitive, we have to, um, we have to reprocess and work through the trauma uh, cognitive memories. And then the second layer that we work through, we have to start to address in the treatment part is the emotions and where the emotional components of this trauma loss reside. And I, and I oftentimes my clients not just think about the emotions, but where does it live in the body? Where does it show up? And once we can move through the process of helping somebody, uh, Un unpack and 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 kind of challenge and and um, change the autobiographical kind of memory and narrative that's stored in the brain specific to this trauma, especially about the beliefs that you held, hold within yourself. Once we're able to kind of address these and the emotional components, then we're able to start to move finally forward in addressing the grief and the loss. And you know so. Helping people learn when when they've experienced um, a traumatic bereavement, it's really starting to build the self back up and starting to understand the interconnections that the client feels and what the person feels within themselves, that they become connected to themselves and learning to connect in a new and a different way, but also being able to start, you know, to develop some regulation uh, uh, skills of their internal emotional state, because every time the trauma comes up for the individual in the memory and in the emotions and in the body, it activates the nervous system, which sends the nervous system into either a, a mobilization response or a collapse response, mobilization of this anxious panic state or the collapse, the dorsal vagal collapse state of, I just want to hide. I just want to go into my room. I just want to go into bed and I just don't want to come out. I just want to feel and be alone. And, and with, with strong feelings of depressed feelings and sadness. So we work very much in the first stage of building these capacities so that one can start to learn how to develop regulation. And that's a critical component as we as we go through the process of also looking at the individual's ability to um, see worth back for their life again and so you know you know the affect you know working with the affect emotions of 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 the individual means that we have to understand what state we're in um and being able to recognize that when when the memory comes up and it wants for us to collapse and just hide. We have to learn to recognize the state that's coming up and how it's showing up and develop strategies to help you manage whatever state that is. Maybe the mobilization of feeling too much, or maybe it's the collapse. And learning to develop skills to tolerate 
you know, you know, we would call it affect toleration or tolerating your affect and learning to not follow everywhere your emotions want to take you, but learning to tolerate and sit with it and be with it while at the same time developing skills of modulating these emotions, regulating these emotions. And by by starting to learn to manage your body, and it really is a body up approach when we're looking at traumatic bereavement. That's a, a really a key component in helping you first to integrate is helping you to stay and 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 learn to manage the your emotional states and how your emotions show up to for you, uh, not just in the actual feeling emotion, but how it shows up in your body. And then we start to develop some skills that are really important because you know, as you're in the early stages of this, developing skills and strategies to manage and tolerate the demands of stressful situations. Because, you know, as you live in the world, stress can completely activate that midbrain and it constantly keeps you in the loop of not being able to manage how you cope in your day-to-day -day living. You know, so we spend a little bit of time to work with with you know your breathing which is the heart and the soul to your regulation and also to develop you know, so you know healthy self-care uh um, strategies and and you know and, and even getting back to some of the most basics of you know how do i actually get to um, learn to have some you know sleep habits where i'm sleeping through the night um developing you know physical activation because as hard as you want to just hide and collapse and and uh you know you know withdraw you know getting the nervous system to start to increase resiliency can only happen by pushing it a little bit and things such as exercise all these things really matter and they make a difference developing a little bit of a village people who have gone through a traumatic bereavement um, they don't get well in isolation all of us need people around us all of us need a village and it is in social supports that we can learn we can learn how to start to co-regulate you know oftentimes we think about regulation and self-regulation but the more people with this condition isolate out the more they become unregulated people cannot self-regulate when their nervous systems are mobilizing or collapsing but we, we do know as mammals and mammalians in, in our species that we can co-regulate. And that's for this very reason why having a village around you really makes a difference in having social supports, whether it's family members, friends, neighbors, coworkers, all of this counters the isolation that one feels as a result of a traumatic bereavement and begins to help you at, at many levels learn that in co-regulation and not being alone, you're starting to get strength and resiliency. We also want to look at specific strategies on how to kind of um, support the bereavement, um, you know, pain that you're going through. And, you know, with the bereavement, you know, there are events and occasions that will for sure evoke uh, powerful memories, um, maybe things that can kind of, uh, I hate to say this, but upsurge the grief and the loss, right? And so developing um, strategies on how to cope and how to manage these situations and how to begin to, um, with, with, you know, specific strategies, anticipate some of these events um, wherever possible. Not everything can be anticipated and how you might cope and manage to work through it.
you know, there's something to be said around, you know, um, the power of developing meaning and spirituality. You know, when when a sudden death, a traumatic death occurs, it it absolutely impacts the survivor's perceptions of life and meaning. And the purpose and meaning seems to get lost for many people as they've gone through a traumatic loss to the point where they find themselves um, not actually having um, an idea, purpose, or value of, of why to live life anymore or live it in a meaningful, meaningful way. So we start to look and start to kind of explore new meaning and new connections and new ways to live your life and new purpose so that you can again shift your state and, and begin to have some, some hope. What we do know is as we get through, as we get through um, and building this little bit of, of structure around you, then we have to lean into the trauma, you know, try processing the trauma memories, right? And there's different therapies that are used. Um, some may use uh, cognitive processing therapy, uh, you know, cognitive restructuring or, or cognitive schema therapies, um, cognitive behavioral therapies can help. Um, EMDR can be very helpful. Um, so there, there are so many different types of therapies that can support polyvagal can even be quite helpful here. The key is, is that we have to go and target the maladaptive, um, automatic thoughts that are coming up as that are connected to this, uh, traumatic loss. And these thoughts need to be explored. And then we begin to kind of work through these thoughts. Um, and starting to work through the thought patterns that arise out of the traumatic um, traumatic loss and, the, and how the brain has stored it and the images and what it tells you about you and, it, and the loss itself. Once this is all worked through, then we're able to kind of get through to the mourning process. And where we get to the mourning process, we can start to now uh, fo focus a little bit more. They call this the six R's of processing of the mourning and loss, recognize the loss is one R, react to the separation that has occurred between you and your loved one, recollect and experience the, de the de um, deceased and the relationship and starting to bring back potentially some of the memories that not just about the loss, but also other parts of how we think about this person and how we want to remember them and relinquishing old attachments to the, the, the uh, deceased. Um, and also, you know, also the attachments that we have formed uh, of our assumptions of the world now and starting to explore that and re readjust <clears throat> to move more adaptively into the new world without forgetting the old and start to reinvest. So these are key components of what we have to look at with a traumatic bereavement. What I want everybody to know is that there is hope and there is hope, you know, um, for living a life uh, and learning to live with a traumatic bereavement, not that you can get rid of the memories and not that you can necessarily change that your loved one is, has, has passed away as a result of a traumatic uh, event. But what, what you can learn is how to learn to live with it in a new way that you can start to still live your life with purpose and meaning and that you can still walk forward in your life while at the same time 
which is key. Um, not living your life out with the horror and the shock and awe in your mind, in your thoughts, in your emotions of this loss. And so um, I, I'll continue to have more uh, podcasts or two more specifically in this conversation going forward. But I want to say, I hope this was helpful. Um, next, we might kind of lean into the grief and mourning components and start to look at some, maybe some strategies that that you can use to start to begin to help yourself um, in these early phases. And um, in saying all of that, I would like to say thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Um, and I look forward to connecting again. All the best. This is Ian Robertson, Living Beyond Limits. Have a great day. Bye-bye.